You're listening to the ESO Network, your station for all things geek. Hello, please let me see your ticket stubs for the double-edged double bill. This week, it's Angelina Jolie and Sky Captain in the world of the tourist. Thomas and Thomas Mariani come to the table to discuss the randomly selected yin and yang of a double feature. Then, both will have to pick a number between 1 and 10 or to seal their fates for the next episode. One will have two good movies, the other two bad ones. Let the chaos begin. I am Adam Thomas. S- yeah, I got nothing. And I am Thomas Mariani of the world of tomorrow. Whoa. You know, normally I'd be excited for that type of name. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, well, we'll get into that. Uh, welcome, everybody, to the Double H Double Bill, where uh, each week we discuss uh, randomly selected good and bad feature related to whatever topic that we're doing. And, uh, you know, there's a new big Marvel movie coming out, but we've done Marvel so many times on the show. And yeah. So we decided, hmm, The Eternals, which is coming out the week we're releasing this, has a pretty interesting, diverse cast. Um, and uh, we decided to focus on the person who doesn't really do movies that much anymore despite being so known as a big star for sure we uh miss angelina jolie it's interesting because like i said she hasn't done movies in a while there's been a lot of factors to that like some personal issues of hers but also her uh, various outreaches like i believe isn't she like a council person for the un or something like that she's like a special envoy yeah. i think right yeah, yeah, something like that. All right, so she has a lot of uh, causes that she participates in. She's had some personal stuff. In the last decade, it's been mostly, like, voices, like in Kung Fu Panda movies. And then, like, the Maleficent sequel? And, like, stuff she's directed, I think. That's about it. Yeah, as far as I know, like, the last big thing I can think of hers... Didn't she direct that Unbroken movie or whatever? Yes, she did direct that. Yeah, to, as far as I, at least in my recollection, that's sort of the last thing she was really in the sort of film zeitgeist for. Yeah, I think the only other thing is there was that one she also directed, the By the Sea, which everyone said, hmm, this is a pretty oh, bad yeah. movie that's basically about these two not having a great relationship, and then she divorced Brad Pitt like right after that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, gee, I wonder. I'm curious, though, Adam, what's your sort of like, opinion on Jolie? Where'd that start for you? Where, where'd you uh, grow, if any, fascination with Miss Jolie's career? First thing I saw her in, as I think probably a lot of people, um, was Hackers back in the day. And I saw that like when it first came out. So I was like 12, 13. And I just loved that movie. I thought everyone was so cool. And there was just she was so unique looking. Just with the way her hair was cut, with, you know, obviously her trademark, like, full lips, just the piercing nature of her eyes, and everything. I was just fascinated. I'm like, who is this? So naturally, like, everything that came out with her, I, I, I watched and was totally, like, on board for her. Then, obviously, the weird Oscar thing with her and her brother it was, was, like, such huge, like, at the time, paparazzi, pop culture, like, it was almost a phenomena. And then once I realized who her father was, I'm like, oh, that explains a lot. 
Are you saying that John Voight might not have been the most stable person to be your father? Not only to be your father, but maybe the most stable person for any reason. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) I think we can mutually agree on that. But um, it's interesting for me, Adam, this is an example of like a subject for the show where I'm not really as familiar with like the filmography as much. Because I think I know Angelina Jolie more as like a, a celebrity than I ever really do as, like, um, from her career. I haven't seen as many Jolie movies as I care to admit. Most of my experience with her has been, like I said, some of the voiceover stuff, or even, like you mentioned, the tabloid thing. Like, I remember the first time I was aware of Angelina Jolie was probably when the Tomb Raider movies came out. Like, especially the first one was such a huge, big movie. And I was just like, oh my god, she's actually doing a video game movie? This is elevating this project so much. Which, from what I understand, isn't warranted. I haven't seen those fucking movies, but I've heard neither of them are that good. Yeah, they're terrible films. Right, and then even like with a Mr. and Mrs. Smith, all the like the behind the scenes stuff, just like oh my god, she, uh, Brad Pitt left Jennifer Aniston for her, and also the crap. Like I never saw that movie. I think it's just been a thing of like I've always been in the purview of Jolie, but I haven't seen as much of her filmography. Though I will say, probably the first time for me was also Hackers. Which is a fascinating movie. I would definitely like to talk about yeah. at some point. Like I remember that was one of the first examples where I heard the idea of like a photographic memory. I just thought like, oh my god, people can have this superpower that exists in reality. Yeah. <laughs> so you can recognize anything that you've seen before, you can immediately remember it. Just like, I, oh, young Thomas, you don't know. <laughs> this isn't as accurate. Shocker. Hackers is not a very accurate film to reality. What? Are you kidding me? <laughs> It is a hundred percent real. That was my childhood. <laughs> I was recording coins dropping in a payphone, so I never had to pay for long distance calls at payphones. I did all that stuff. Hashtag yeah. hack the planet. <laughs> That's all we're saying. And Fisher Stevens was really mean to me. <laughs> oh, and, and then he skateboarded away in front of a bunch of lasers. <laughs> yep. yep. <laughs> we'll put a pin in that. At some point, we will discuss hackers. Uh, that could have been, you know, a choice. For the show. Could have been. Could have been. Could have been. Yeah. But instead, uh, we ended up with... Maybe should have been. Maybe, maybe should have maybe been. Should have been. Yeah, it's almost as if she's in that movie more than she is one of the movies we're going to talk about tonight. So, basically, uh, we picked randomly at the end of our last episode two movies. Uh, we had Adam had the good choices and ended up with Sky Captain the World of Tomorrow. And then I had the bad choices and I ended up with The Tourist. Uh, so we'll uh, go ahead and get into our good feature first here. We'll go with Sky Captain and the World of Tomorrow. calling Sky Captain. When the shadow of evil falls across mankind, a bold flying ace. This is Sky Captain. I'm on my way. One intrepid reporter. What's this all about? And a courageous naval officer. What have you got me into this time, Joseph? Are all that stand between the enemies of the future and the world of tomorrow. Jude Law. Hold on. Gwyneth Paltrow. Can't anything ever be simple with you? And Angelina Jolie. It's a pleasure to finally meet the competition. Sky Captain and the World of Tomorrow. Okay, full disclosure before we get started. Uh, 
I remembered Angelina Jolie being in this movie a lot more than she is. Mm-hmm. Uh, so if you watch this to see an Angelina Jolie movie, I apologize because it's very much a blink and you'll miss it sort of idea. Uh, I accept your apology, yes, because I kept watching this. This is the first time I've ever seen this. And I was just like, well, she's third build. I'm sure she's not going to be like the main character, but she'll be like a decent supporting character. She's in about, I think, five minutes of this movie. Yeah, it takes about an hour to get to her. Yep, it does. Um, a whole <laughs> glorious hour. Of Sky Captain the World of Tomorrow. Um, so basically, uh, this is a movie that came out uh, September 17, 2004, from director-writer uh, Cary Conran, uh, who was a guy who had never made a movie before this. He basically got this job in this interesting way where he made a short sort of fake trailer by himself in his apartment on like his Macintosh personal computer. And so that caught the eye of a producer, and they were like, oh my god, this looks so interesting and weird. We should expand this into a full feature. Always a great sign to do. That you see some guy's pet project that he made in his fucking apartment, and you're like, let's give this guy $70 million to make a movie, even though he's never directed a full fucking movie before. As opposed to, I don't know, maybe giving him a small effects job and having him work his way up? That might be a better idea. But no, they gave him $70 million to make this movie. That's based on, like, old 30s serials. It um, has a lot of comparisons to, like, uh, the Superman Flash Brothers cartoons or, like, the old Flash Gordon serials. There's a lot of visual stuff you can kind of get from that. And it was, interestingly, one of the first movies shot completely on blue screen. Aside from, like, there's one set that's used in the movie briefly. Uh, but it's mostly shot on blue screen, and it was, this was very new at the time. Some of the other movies post this would like use CG for like a Sin City stuff like that which is how I kind of knew this movie beforehand it was kind of like on a technology level it's definitely trailblazing if nothing else I can't take that away from the movie it's definitely ambitious in terms of what it's trying to kind of do in this time in 2004 yeah that's good well yeah you know it's a good thing Adam uh, for this good pick that you picked um why don't you go ahead and explain why you decided to pick this beyond the fact that you thought Angelina Jolie was in it more uh why do you like this movie visually i think it's it's pretty stunning like obviously it it doesn't hold up amazingly well uh as far as the sort of computer imagery but because of the filter on it and everything it it, it, it's more forgivable but it it, to me i watch it and it's exactly that it reminds me of you know old pulp sort of serials or even some of the camera shots and still images they use look like old sort of propaganda you know, posters and things like that. It, it just, I think it's visually amazing. And I think it, at its core, the idea is fucking cool, man. Like it's a, a, a sky captain who flies an old school plane fighting giant robots. Like that's badass at its core idea. I mean, now I will be a hundred percent honest on a rewatch. There's a lot in here that I do not like, but I still really enjoy the movie for what it is and sort of what came after it. And like I said, I think it, it's it, its core idea is really fucking cool and should be a whole lot of more fun than it is. Yeah, should be. Um, <laughs> so uh, I had messaged Adam about this, and I think I still maintain this. Um, I hated watching Sky Captain the World tomorrow. This is the first time we're like we've had times where like either of us would like pick a good pick. And sometimes it doesn't hold up as well as we thought it did, or we'd heard it was good, but it didn't quite work out as much as we thought it might uh, for the show. This is, I think, genuinely the worst good pick we've ever had for the show, personally. 
I could not stand watching this boring, boring, dull ass movie. I was like really interested with the first five or so minutes, I will say. I think in the first five minutes, it kind of like the gimmick works for me, which is like, oh, they're recreating certain bits and pieces from like, um, like Citizen Kane. You can see a few shots from, or the older serials. Like I love some of those older serial things, like the old Flash Gordon ones, particularly the the Superman Flasher Brothers ones, the old cartoons. I think I love that style, and I would be fascinated to see like somebody kind of take that in a similar way to like Indiana Jones. You know, which were, that was based on old serials as well. Kind of adapt that into a feature film form and make it kind of fun in a throwback way. But I think the trouble is with Sky Captain is it feels like marathoning through those serials. Which, like, if you don't know what a serial is, by the way, this was an old thing where, like, back in the day when you would go to a movie, you wouldn't just watch a movie. You'd basically stay there for a whole afternoon. You'd watch a newsreel and a serial, which were these, like, segmented, kind of like TV shows now, but before TV was a thing. Where it's like, here's 20 minutes of an adventure and come back to the theater next week and you can see the second adventure, you know, as this continues onward. If you try and marathon those fucking things, if you try and binge watch them in the modern parlance, uh, they don't work at all. Because they're just really begging on the idea of like, well, you kind of vaguely remember last time. So here we're going to kind of repeat some things or we're going to just like kind of stumble around. And especially like those worked, I think, because there was like a cheapness to them that was kind of fun. to seem kind of like fly by the seat of their pants. And this one is so big and grand that doing a tribute to those smaller things, it feels kind of like the Grindhouse movies that, like, Robert Rodriguez and Quentin Tarantino did. Where, like, you're homaging these older things that had a cheap budget and you getting, like, I don't know, 50 or more million dollars to make them. And it feels inauthentic and it loses so much of the charm of what made the original thing work for me. So I'm, I'm going to guess that you didn't like this. Is that what you're trying was, to say? Was my first indicator the fact that I said this is the worst good pick we've ever had for the <laughs> show? Did that hit you in on that? Yeah, that might have clued me in. Uh, no, I, and the thing is, I can't disagree with you, really, on, on anything you said. I, I get why you don't like this movie, and I get why a lot of people don't like this movie. It makes a lot of sense. The acting in this movie, pretty much all around, is, I'd say, mediocre to bad. I don't think there's one really big standout performance in this movie at all. Everyone's kind of bored, but then you get the idea that, you know, they're working against blue screen or green screen with like, they have to, it's gotta be hard. Especially at that time when it wasn't as common a thing. Yeah. It's never been done really like this. So it's like, they're acting against nothing the entire movie. And you're also being directed by a guy who has literally spent most of his time in his fucking apartment making like a short shit as opposed to directing humans. (laughs) Right. Yeah, no, I, I I get it. It's all on the screen there where it's, you know, it's an amateur filmmaker with not really a, a amateur filmmaker is a really strong way to put it, too, because he's not even really a filmmaker at this point. But just kind of a, a directionless thing. I, I mean, I understand. Again, I understand where you're coming from. And I do agree with your earlier assessment there. If you try to watch all the serials together, it gets uh, turned into a mess. And ultimately, I think that's kind of what happens here. You know, it's an hour and a half long version of a 10 to 15 minute sort of either radio show or cartoon and that, you know, it takes a lot of padding. But again, I do think there's a lot of cool shit in this movie. I think the, the like I said, the visuals are cool. I like the uh, creature design when you see the robots or even when you see the, the dinosaur creatures and things like that. I think there's a lot of real fun stuff here. It's just the problem. The main problem with this movie for me is the a hundred percent lack of chemistry between any one actor and another. Like nobody here 
really vibes with each other at all and that does make for a very fucking difficult watch yeah it's only about 105 minutes and I, it felt about twice as long as that for me <laughs> i was just like oh my god the basic thing of like sky captain is played by jude law and he's this big adventurer hero and he brings along uh gwyneth paltrow who plays like the plucky reporter they want to have a like his girl friday back and forth but y'all ain't his girl friday this is like so terrible from like not just the two actors not having any chemistry but like any of the back and forth dialogue i think is like really rote in a dumb way and i think even like the visuals like you were talking about i think this movie intermittently goes between like oh this kind of looks good on like if this was a individual frame that i could like frame on my wall it could look kind of fun but in motion so much of it looks ugly to me like, especially, like, the design, say, of the robots. Like, I love that basic design of the robots. It reminds me a lot of, like, obviously the older versions of robots from, like, those old Flash Brothers cartoons, or even, like, the Iron Giant. I love that design. One of my favorite movies ever, that particular movie, that takes influence from those older serials. But in practice here, like, when those robots are going down New York, that's around the time that I was like, oh, my God, this looks like shit. <laughs> this looks awful. And I it, like, hurts my eyes watching it. And there's so many other points. And I think it's because, like, I know that he wanted to do this in black and white originally. Like, Carrie uh, Conran originally even wanted to do it as, like, a serial. And everyone was like, no, we can't do that in the modern age. Also, you can't do it in black and white. And I think in color, it looks so garish. And it looks like a bad Instagram filter to me. Like, especially, the the big problem is that you have a scene where, like, Gwyneth Paltrow's getting information in a movie theater. And they have The Wizard of Oz playing in the background. One of the most beautiful, gorgeous Technicolor movies ever made. And it's just like, guys, don't do this comparison because you look like yeah, shit no, compared to one of the best looking old school color movies ever made. Yeah, no, I agree. I think if it was black and white, it, it would definitely uh, look a lot better for sure. But with that being said, I want, I want to get your opinion, even though she, again, she has only over a couple minutes, but how did you think Jolie did in this movie? Um, She stood there like everyone else did. She, she was there she on the day her. and I think she did the best she possibly could with that particular role, but there's not much of, like, a character there that she's really given, even though apparently she, like, studied, like, old-school, uh, like, aviator slang and, like, watched interviews with those old-school aviators and shit like that, and it's like, wow, commitment to the bit, uh, but it's a trouble, like, you're putting too much work into something that does not care about you, Miss Julie. <laughs> Not at all. And I think that's more effort than, like, anyone else is putting into it, I'll say. Because admittedly, with some people, I think it might be, say, exhaustion. Because this is also Jude Law, as I mentioned, stars in this movie. And this was the infamous year in 2004 where he was in six movies. <laughs> and really, over uh, do you remember any of those six movies, Adam, that he was in this year? <laughs> 2004. Nope. <laughs> well, closer, maybe? Closer, closer was one, one of them, yes. Hey! Bing, 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 bing. Uh, he... Uh, uh, yeah. Go ahead. Uh, he, well, I have them here. He was also in The Aviator. Briefly, he shows up in that. Yay! Uh, I Heart Huggabees. Um, uh, and then also from Paramount, two movies here. Uh, the A Series of Unfortunate Events movie, which he's, oh, yeah. like, the narrator oh. of. And then also the Alfie remake that everyone remembers and loves. Oh, God! Holy shit! Oh my god, I forgot that was a thing. Yep. Oh, <laughs> so so did everyone else the week it was released. Yeah. <laughs> Man, yeah, well, that explains a lot, though, because that's a lot. This was peak work. overexposure for him, this particular yeah. year. That's also my problem, it's just that, like, I love Jude Law as, like, particularly a supporting actor. But uh -huh. anytime I've seen him do a lead actor thing, usually 
it just feels like you're you don't quite have the weight to hold it up and it, i completely yeah because like he's fun is like a like a, a side dish that pops and like we talked about like roger perdition he's amazing and yeah. and some other things as of recent but playing the lead he never quite manages to work even though it's just that weird thing of like you're, you're matinee idle handsome jude you're beautiful sure but you, you don't have quite, like, the charisma to lead a movie, especially when everyone else is, like, floundering around you. And even, like, I like Gwyneth Paltrow in certain movies, but this is definitely, like, a weird miscasting for her that doesn't work. Um, Joe Lee, as I mentioned, is kind of, like, set adrift. Uh, Giovanni Rabisi is straight up terrible. Oh, it's terrible. <laughs> so bad. <laughs> And I feel like it's this weird thing where, like, they're all trying to affect, like, oh, give me, like, those old serial movies. Those were bad actors, right? So we can kind of do this silly, kind of breathy, over-the-top thing. But, like, if you don't have that commitment to actually, like, believe in your character, it doesn't work. Like, in Indiana Jones, like, that's pulpy material. But, like, Harrison Ford and all the other actors actually believe in the bit. They, like, commit to the bit, which makes any Indiana Jones adventures work. I would even, like, hot take, I would take Kingdom of the Crystal Skull over this fucking movie. I don't know. I'd have to sit with that decision for a while. There's at least a couple of set pieces I can remember that looked kind of good in Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. Like, <laughs> I'll tell you what. I'll take this movie over Sin City too. I mean, I'll do that. <laughs> if it's just like, well, which one are you gonna do? It's just like, can you just shoot me? I'll go with yeah. that. <laughs> <laughs> Even like some of the stuff you're talking about, like, oh, when they go off to the the, the island where there are all these different animals. Like, I thought all that CG looked like garbage. And honestly, that whole time I was watching that. It kind of just reminded me, like, man, I would rather be watching, like, Peter Jackson's King Kong movie. That's a three-hour-long movie that would probably not feel as long as this one does. Honestly. Wow. So you really like this movie. Uh, tremendously. A great film. <laughs> Truly great. great. And the thing is, I want to like a weird movie like this. This is, like, a weird oddity that I would want it to be one of those things where it's like, oh, it came out at a weird time and it was really lost to history. But people have grown to, like, appreciate it. And I know there's, like, a very small kind of cult around this but not nearly enough to where like there's fucking sky captain retro merchandise or any bullshit like that yeah sure, sure uh there isn't that um well, i i ordered you one of those paintings where it's a bunch of lines and it's all the colors of the movie i, I ordered you one of those <laughs> oh great this, I can't and, wait. Uh, j- just to let you know it's all really dull <laughs> it's a really dull painting <laughs> well it'll be a, a mosaic tribute to your taste in the film I, I can't wait to... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you just gotta put, like, yellow saran wrap over the top of it to really... <laughs> right, right. Um, but, but yeah, I just, like, the whole time I was watching this, like, it feels like, honestly, even with, like, the, the color grading felt to me like mm-hmm. I'm watching one of those, like, back in the 90s when Ted Turner would put colorized versions of black and white films on TV. That's what I felt fucking right. watching this movie. It felt like, oh, this is like really cheap colorization from somebody who doesn't give a shit. Do you think maybe that was the idea? I don't. I mean... I don't. Because that's not right. that's clearly not what they're going... <laughs> no, no, like, when you call out Wizard of Oz early on, you're not going that's... for cheap-ass colorization from the early 90s. You want three-strip Technicolor. And that's a hard thing to recreate digitally. And especially here, it just shows you just like, man, this is impossible to do accurately when it's like this poorly put together you know i i wanted to say some good things i'll say a couple good things i like about the movie i mentioned the opening like five minutes or so i really like how they introduce this world with like especially there's certain things that feel like they're in camera like there's that one shot when the blimp is landing and there's the guy who's on like the little lever that's pulling it there's a few shots like that where i can see like okay you're kind of recreating the older aesthetics in a way that's kind of fascinating um i'll say 
the weird choice that I knew about with this movie, and I was like, I don't know if this is going to work, of, like, using images of Laurence Olivier. Um, yeah, that was... It was weird, but it didn't feel as bad as I feared it would. Um, it kind of reminds me of anything more of, like, the Superman Returns, like Marlon Brando. Yes, I agree. Kind of thing. Where it, it looked, for the time, it doesn't look bad. But it still is kind of weird in practice. And I'll even say, I think the initial sort of dogfight that Sky Captain has against the robots, I think, is kind of fun for what it is. I was kind of like, okay, this could kind of work. And even, like, a few bits, like, Giovanni Ribisi's, like, gun. I like that it's, like, the old, like, uh ray gun thing that has like the circles that come out of it like there's a few fun details but they're just so few and far between for me uh, okay well i'll tell you that what i like about it i agree with you the first five minutes the setup of the world i agree with you i think jude law's sort of introduction into this movie is pretty badass i like that you know it's sort of the first version of the helicarrier ever is in this movie i like the look of the ray gun i like the sort of design of the flying robots where they flap their wings, kind of. Like, I thought that was pretty neat. Like I said, I, I, I genuinely like the core sort of idea of this movie. That's why, you know, I, I can sit here and, and be honest and recognize, like, there's a lot of terrible shit in this movie. But for some reason, this is one of those movies that I just can't hate. And I don't know why. It's just something about it that really sort of, you know, hits my fanboy sort of, bone as far as the old pulp and serial stuff i mean i've talked about how much i like that stuff before you know with like the shadow and the phantom and all that stuff and this sort of just it hits that bone for me well i think that exact reasoning is kind of why i ended up disliking this because you mentioned a couple movies from that era where like post batman everyone had the weird idea of like hey let's just do like old 30s comics as movies basically um you're you're missing the one that we've actually talked about on the show before that i think is like yep like the rocketeer already existed fucking like 13 years ago prior to this and did everything this movie's trying to do 10,000 times better it's the way better version of this movie because it actually updates the actual like mechanics just like it isn't just doing the old serial thing beat for beat it's not that slavish an homage it's actually just like oh hey let's take that but add like modern storytelling to it so you give a shit about what's going on crazy that anyone would be able to do that but uh they did it a while before <laughs> Yeah, this has been a painful week for you for this show. Oh, oh yeah, but at least I understood the assignment for the fucking show we've been doing for three years. <laughs> with uh, with my particular pick, yeah. This uh, I, I can see why. Also, it just the most interesting thing, honestly, to me at this point is just like the behind the scenes of like this movie being made at all. Like, this feels like it could have only happened at the dawn of the new millennium, where it's like, shit, George Lucas just came out with, like, you know, Phantom Menace, he's going to do Attack of the Clones, he's introducing this new, like, CG technology, we have to really climb on board with that. I've heard Peter Jackson's doing his thing with those Lord of the Rings movies. Like, we gotta, like, jump in on that, we gotta get, like, interesting, weird visionaries to do their movies with this big CG thing. And I give them all the credit in the world for managing to basically be, like, the trial and mostly error version of this idea that other people have done much better like with the original sin city or with so like scott pilgrim also kind of did that with like some of the cg elements so like the the blue screen background stuff the matrix sequels stuff like that like this feels like okay this is the trial and error thing where it's like they're working out all the kinks and unfortunately in the process it completely destroyed carrie conrad's career on any level because he never did anything after this which is a bummer because, like, based on, like, I've seen the original short I watched right after this, and I could see uh-huh. based on that original short, like, seeing some talent in this guy, and it's like, okay, how about we get you started 
a bit more with like doing some special effects stuff or doing like some like smaller elements because this is really impressive you did this five minute short in your fucking apartment like there's talent there but like pushing that dude out into like you make a 70 million dollar movie with academy award winning cast members do it just you can do it and i have all the sympathy in the world for that dude for having to like basically be put out on a ledge because uh that's a lot to put on a dude <laughs> no i agree and I, I think you know unfortunately i think it was sort of doomed from the start because of that but i, I yeah i agree with you i agree i i, I mean again I don't, I don't hate it as strongly as you do. I, I, there are things about it I do really enjoy, and there are things that, yeah, really suck. I.e., Giovanni Ribisi and Gordon Paltrow and a lot of other things, uh, not just them. But I, like I said, I, I, can, I still enjoy it. it. It's definitely one of those. I don't even want to say so bad it's good movies, but it, it, there's something, there's a certain charm to it for me that I, I can't ignore, nor will I. Although I'm sorry that I didn't follow the format of the show. <laughs> Pick a good movie? Yeah. 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 <laughs> or an Angelina Jolie movie. Or an Angelina Jolie movie. No, that's true. Um, yeah. You know, two other things I'll just briefly give credit for. Um, one, I do like Angelina Jolie's look. The costume, yes. I think, works pretty well. And, like, her eye patch and shit like that. It, that gives us more about, like, her character than any of the dialogue or scintillating chemistry between her and Jude Law does. Uh, and two, shout out to the composer Edward Shearmore, who I think does a really great job with the score. That feels, like, right out of that era. I think the score in this is actually pretty fantastic. Yeah. A lot of fanfare and, you know, stuff like that. Yeah, I really like the score a lot in this movie. And, yeah, I agree. Angelina Jolie with the eye patch and sort of leads this secret British, which, again, you know, we'll talk about it in the next one, too. But, man, they like making our do British accents. But this secret sort of military force and everything, I, I think there's a lot of good there. Yeah, almost as if I'd rather watch her movie. That sounds like a way more interesting movie than the one we're mostly following. I, I swear to God, I thought she was in this a lot more. Like, so, therefore, I must really be favorable on her and her character in this because I remember her more than most of, you know any of the other characters in this movie when I picked it. Because I remember thinking, wow, she was really cool. Like, yeah, and she's in it a ton. Man, was I wrong. Holy fuck. Most of her screen time is like, hey, I'm walking down to the helicarrier. And then later, like, hey, I'm inside yeah. of my ship with my helmet on. And I'm saying fire at whatever that I can't see because it's a fucking, like, blue screen background or whatever. And then at the end, just like, whoop, Sky Captain did it again. You clapped. <laughs> and I was doing the you motion clapped. of just like... I wipe my hands. It's all done. <laughs> but yeah, I guess I don't know, Adam. You, earlier, you pretty much said I think your final thoughts, unless you have anything else to add. I mean, I guess if you're a fan of sort of how did this get made, sort of movies, and or even like I said, old serials and stuff like that, you might really enjoy this movie. I mean, it's a crapshoot, but there are definitely fans out there, and I, I think you know some people might still really enjoy this. I get why you don't and you know but hey it got made somehow and it exists and we watched it and i didn't hate myself afterwards no i did all the hating for you of you yeah you <laughs> definitely because i messaged adam at like right after watching just like god fucking damn it i can't believe you did this <laughs> to me <laughs> um yeah, well, but yeah fuck you. as was very clear from this discussion not a fan of this movie like, there's, there was a review that I ended up catching from around the time this came out that I think really summarized my thoughts uh, that I have here. 
um, from, yes, a Stephen Hunter of the Washington Post called it, quote, a $70 million novelty item. That's accurate. I think that's pretty accurate. Right. I yeah. think that's very accurate um, in the most negative way I can possibly say. Because, <laughs> like, it just it feels like it's this novelty kitsch thing that, like, I would see at, like, an antique store and it'd be like, oh, that looks cool. I wouldn't want to sit down for an hour, 45 fucking minutes watching that move. That would be so dull to me. <laughs> and it was, in practice. Um, despite, I think, obviously, like I mentioned, the director-writer was trying the best he could with the limited experience he had. And as we mentioned, Joe Lee, I think, is putting as much effort as she can into virtually nothing of material. Uh, but that can't really save the fact that most of the movie does not focus on her. And it's focused so much more on a bunch of other people. And even, like, with Jolie, like, I would want to say that, like, oh, hey, this is, like, she comes in, just, like, livens up the screen. And not quite, because she just can't, based on this. Like, you you can't come in an hour into this fucking movie and immediately make it so huge with, like, three scenes. Like, you can't quite do that. Um, but at the same time, I, I think it's it's definitely a curiosity um, it's a weird thing that, like, like I mentioned, how this possibly get made, and it was at least a trailblazer in working out the kinks of this technology that would be done much better by other filmmakers. Um, and nothing else gives me more appreciation for some of those filmmakers, kind of like in their stumbles. After, just like I mentioned, like Peter Jackson's King Kong, I have several issues with that movie, but at least you can see like somebody who has experience and craft doing a flawed movie like that is it still far more entertaining than this from an inexperienced guy just churning out what what feels like just such a complete waste of time for me quite frankly uh so i would not recommend it okay so <laughs> but, you like it well i'll say this much i like it at least a bit more than our next feature which we'll get into in just a moment but first here's a promo for an eso so you can queue up rafter arse for the past 12 seasons mike and mike have been bringing you a weekly look at all things geek with reviews, discussions, interviews, and topicals from across the Geekosphere. Now, with Geek Life slowly returning to normal in 2021, join the Earth Station One crew as we look at the return of the summer movie season, preview the fall TV lineup, look at all the big conventions now happening, along with other geek topics. You can listen to Earth Station One wherever fine podcasts are found. And as always, Earth Station One is a founding member of the ESO Network. All right, let's get into... The Tourist. It all started when I met a woman on the train. I'm Elise. I'm Frank. That's a terrible name. Uh, it's the only one I've got. Maybe we can find you another. Okay. I have a strange feeling that those two people over there are watching us. I think you're right. Really? <laughs> no. Frank! Come with me. Ellie's ward and husband. You're ravenous. Do you mean ravishing? I do. I don't regret it, you know, kissing you. So, The Tourist uh, came out December 10th, 2010, from a director who has a very interesting name, I'll say, uh, Florian Henkel von Donnerschmark. Yeah. 
that sounds accurate, I think. I think so. Apologies for any German listeners for how much I might have fucked that up. Um, and he is one of the co-writers along with uh, Julian Fellows and Christopher McQuarrie, recently of like the Mission Impossible movies and stuff like that, uh, based on the novel Anthony Zimmerman uh, by Jerome Salier. And this is clearly trying to be a sort of like Hitchcock thriller kind of thing where basically Angelina Jolie plays this woman who um, is being chased around uh, by um, of this uh, the shadow. I don't know what's the secret agency again equivalent in Britain. Like MI five, MI six. I I guess I don't know. The point is, Paul Bettany is part of like a British intelligence agency that's trying to chase her oh, around. Scotland Yard. Scotland Yard. It's Scotland Yard. Yes, Scotland Yard um, is following her around as she's basically it turns out as an undercover agent trying to find out um, about this um, mysterious. Uh, man Alexander Pierce, who she had some kind of an affair with as an undercover agent, and might be a bit more close than she's letting on to that person. Um, and she gets a note from Alexander that says, "Hey, you need to go on this particular train. And you need to find somebody who's roughly like my height and build, and pretend that he is me, so that this scheme can work." And uh, she runs into this person who is a Frank Tapello, uh, your average blue-collar math teacher, played by Johnny Depp. Everyone's favorite math teacher, Johnny Depp. And uh, this, you know, starts a basically like wrong place in the wrong time kind of Hitchcock thriller thing. It's definitely trying to be kind of like Strangers on a Train a bit and also North by Northwest. You know, one of these things that like would have starred like Audrey Hepburn and Cary Grant in the 50s. Kind of like back and forth movies, which in theory sounds like it could be fun. Um, the tourist isn't fun. Uh, no, it's, um, it's fucking terrible. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Oh my god. You want to talk about how Sky Captain felt like it was t- double the size? This easily did that for me. Where I'm literally at the point where I'm going, okay, come on. Well, it's obvious what's going on here. Let's go. Because let's, before we get into spoilers, the twist to me was so telegraphed about 20 to ha- minutes to a half hour before we got there. And it's just. Nobody wants to be there. You can tell this was like just a, so they could go to Venice. It felt like Johnny Depp has more makeup on him than any person in the movie. Like he looks like he's wearing a plastic man suit. Like I think you even said it on Letterboxd. He looks like he's Edgar the Bug. <laughs> right. Like Edgar the Bug, if he specifically took over, like not even Johnny Depp, but like his wax museum double. <laughs> or like Ski Ulrich with a goatee. Oh, that fucking goatee, dude. That's the worst. It's maybe the worst. Like, there have been plenty of, like, bad goatees we talked about on the show, but that generally looks like, did you just cut off, like, your pubes and put it on your face? That's what it fucking looks like. And, like, the mustache hairs are, like, growing into his mouth. Like, you could tell. Like, they're too long. It's just nasty looking. They try to give you moments of comedy in this that all fall incredibly flat. Like, I don't know about you, but there was not a chuckle to be had. You mentioned Paul Bettany, Angelita Jolie, Johnny Depp, Rufus Sewell's in this. Yes. Tim Dalton. Mm-hmm. Um, I can never remember his name, but the guy from fucking uh, Beverly Hills Cop, the bad guy who played Victor Maitland. Oh, Stephen Burkoff, yes. Yeah, Stephen Burkoff, who I really like in a lot of things I've seen him in. I mean, there's a pretty sizable cast in this movie. It's, it's actually kind of impressive, the cast. But... I don't think anybody knew what the fuck movie they were making or they just didn't care. Yeah. It feels kind of like it's just a write off so they can go to Venice. Like you mentioned, which I'll say credit to the cinematographer for at least managing to make Venice 
Shocker look beautiful. It's so hard to do that, clearly. Uh, but right. John Seal is a cinematographer. And yet, like, I think the movie doesn't look that bad at all from, like, that perspective. Just, like, the shots of Venice, all this stuff. It's a pretty good travelogue of Venice as opposed to, like, a fucking movie. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, I agree. And, I mean, everybody's wardrobe is really nice. Everybody, other than Johnny Depp, looks great in it it's kind of a sexy movie like you said it could be a really good thriller stranger on a train sort of idea but it just gets lost so fast in what it's trying to do like literally from the minute she sits down with johnny depp the movie's lost it's gone up until that moment i'm like oh this could be kind of cool like where is this gonna go and then yeah the second johnny depp's in it you're like oh no yeah the second he pulls up his cigarette it's just like oh i'm not smoking this is a vape Yes, LED light. <laughs> the least realistic thing is that he shuts up after she's like, oh, I wish you just smoked a regular cigarette. Because he would have been like, well, you see, there's actually vape juice in this, and it's a lot better to use than an actual cigarette. Let me show you this diagram that I have of why this is way better. Because right, anybody who vapes would do that. It's so phenomenal a miscasting for Depp. Like, for Jolie, yeah. it works perfectly. Like, it makes sense. It's just like, of course, you'd be this woman who's like, oh, I've been around the world, and I'm... I know so much, and I completely intimidate you, Johnny Depp, your average math teacher. And I kept thinking, like, who would be a better version of, like, that Johnny Depp character where it's like, oh, I'm a math teacher, I'm your average slub, but I also have some movie star charisma, because that's what you'd want. Like, Kira Grant could pull that off, but in a modern context, who do you think could have pulled that off? Because I know the other two choices they had had before this were Tom Cruise, which, no, that wouldn't have worked. And then also, weirdly, Sam Worthington? Yeah, no. Well, just because he's terrible, too. Right. Um, oh, man, I don't know. Uh, I had one that I don't know. You might ahead. not be as kind to, given your history with this actor. I was thinking, like, an Ethan Hawke. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, I could see that. Because, like, he would have the, like, charisma, but also would be believable. Like, this dude could be a math teacher. Like, a very handsome math teacher. But still very much could be, like, someone who I would see in, like, my local neighborhood. As opposed to Johnny Depp, who lives on a fucking island and drinks wine all the time. <laughs> right. Yeah, I, I could see that one. I mean, if we were to go back a little bit, like, ten years ago, maybe in 15, I, I, I mean, someone like a Carrie Owls would have worked for me. Yeah, Johnny Depp is completely, completely miscast. Ethan Hawke would work. I could see that. And, I mean, and it, then, therefore, I wouldn't have ever watched this movie, so it would have worked out for me a lot. <laughs> but instead, we have Johnny Depp, who I think we should kind of, like, we haven't talked about Johnny Depp a lot, and there's a lot of baggage to talking about Johnny Depp, honestly, yeah. at this particular point. But I'll say that, like, this is at a very specific point where I remember getting very tired of him in his career. Because this was also the same year as, like, the Alice in Wonderland movie. And he was nominated. This is the the very key thing that most people who ever remembers this movie remembers it for this. This was a movie that was kind of infamous for the Golden Globes, the great bastion of fucking film awards that everyone still respects and isn't at all a fucking disgraced piece of shit place run by horrible fucking people. Um, Nominated this movie for a bunch of awards for their Golden Globes, including uh, mainly in the comedy genre. Because as you said, Adam, it was a laugh a minute. Oh, hilarious. He's in his pajamas on the roof. Yeah. (laughs) That's about the jokes that are in this. Right. It's about as highbrow as the jokes get. Right. And a lot of, like, even this was at the ceremony where, like, Ricky Gervais made fun of them directly and the tourist. As just like whining and dining them, which apparently wasn't that far off from what had been heard. Um, and you know, Gervais pointing that out fairly, but also I fucking hate Ricky Gervais. 
Yeah, for the, yeah, he's such a piece of shit. The game recognized game, as it were. Yeah. <laughs> in that oh, no, case. I forgot, I forgot the other really good running joke in this movie. Yes. That he says gracias instead of grazie. Well, so, right, that, that he misuses words all the time. Like, oh, you look ravenous. Don't you mean ravishing? Yes. Oh, ho, ho. oh, ho. oh. how witty and delightful. Oh. Yes. <laughs> To be fair, it's about as funny as the runner we didn't mention from Sky Captain with the fucking photographs and Gwyneth Paltrow's camera. About as funny. Yes. About as good. I yeah. agree. Which is to say, not good at all. You're not good at all. And the thing is, it's like, you know, I guess, spoiler alert for, you know, anybody who's interested in seeing this and might not have yet, just to let you know if going forward. The ultimate twist that he's Alexander Pierce is so fucking stupid and lazy to me. It just dumb because it, 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 it's dumb. The the general sort of idea that the, just the, just a happenstance that she would pick him and it would all work out and blah blah, blah is so stupid and far fetched. And then Johnny Depp throwing on his British accent, oh. Which I would say is way, way worse than Julie's at this point. Oh, it's a thousand percent. Because at this point, like, it's no longer a British accent. It's a Jack Sparrow accent. It's but, Jack Sparrow. Right. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. Right. And even, like, and even the thing you talked about earlier with, like, him in his pajamas on the fucking roofs is just, like, him doing Jack Sparrow shtick. That's what he's just in. He's just in, like, I'm doing my usual shtick mode. I have no interiority as an actor anymore. 100%. And then it's like, you know, they're even just telling you what the twist is the whole movie. And... And it, it, to ad nauseum, even like when all of a sudden at the end he goes into the room and stuff, and Paul Bettany's watching. He's like, "Oh no, what is this idiot doing here? Pierce is going to show up at any time. I know he'll come." You're like, "Okay, for God's sakes!" Like honestly, the second he showed up at the ball, I was like, "Okay, so it's him then. It is definitely him." Right. And that just confirmed. Yeah, like it's not very subtle at all about that twist. In theory, like that could be like very obvious and it could be fine if I was distracted by like, oh, the, the chemistry between the two actors and like the engaging fun light story that we're having here and neither of those things fucking work at all. The two of them have like the, the chemistry of two wet blankets talking to each other. But like, you know, I'll say this, like Jolie feels at least more like a dry one. Jolie is like a comforting dry blanket and he is just like a fucking wet nasty one that i can't fucking stand looking at the entire time like because she at the very least is putting on her amount of charm which is like get you through a bit but it can get you through right. a lot of this crap like especially the terrible boat chase sequence that fucking happens in this movie but i love a good boat chase who doesn't love oh, a yeah. good boat chase especially in venice it's almost as if that yeah, place right. was made for boat chases Right, but then you find out that <laughs> they made them go super slow the whole time because of the posted like speed limits in Venice. Yep. Like, they weren't even allowed to go fast. It just looks so stupid. Like, I was waiting for and those dudes to be like, oh, they are very slowly getting away. <laughs> or have someone running on the deck next to them. Like, no, hey. no, not running, just walking. Just, like, walking yeah, fast. Just walking. <laughs> yep. Stop it. Oh. <laughs> like the... a bunch of old people at the mall. You know, <laughs> yes. power walking. The most emotional I got at all during this movie was just any time I saw Paul Bettany in a fucking office building, I'm like, oh man, Paul, you probably wanted to be out in Venice. You didn't want to be in a fucking, like, office building. Yeah. Like, Paul uh, Bettany deserves that vacation. <laughs> Absolutely. You know, and the thing is, too, like you you brought up about Jolie, the thing is, she has just an undeniable 
charisma and charm about her. Right. So that does ultimately translate constantly to film, even in the bad movies. Like like in this, she's fine. I'd argue she, her, and probably Paul Bettany are doing the most of the heavy lifting. Right, because she, you can tell, like she has that casting that, like they tried with Gwyneth Paltrow in Sky Captain, that works so much better for her. Just like she feels like one of those old glamorous like screen idols of the yes. time. I can immediately believe that, like you are a femme fatale of some sort who has like a mysteriousness to her, but at the same time really intrigued and want to follow you. And she just has to work with a screen partner who is in full like, yep, don't give a shit mode because I gotta go fucking make pirates four. Oh, clearly don't give a shit mode. Like clearly does not care there's not even the thing is when we say he's doing his jack sparrow bit it is but it's like if he's got jack sparrow on valium like it's very minimal effort at all and you can also tell there's and, a lot of points where i'm sure they use doubles where it's like she's acting against a guy who's in oh, like johnny was, depp's like wig or some shit mm-hmm. lots of like her interacting with the stand-in more like and even the shots where they're clearly together like that ballroom dancing in theory that would be like the most charming fun thing in the whole movie and in practice it's just like she's fucking dancing with a wooden block oh a hundred percent he's like one of those artists study wooden dolls that you could pose any way you want yeah it's just he oh this was a fucking chore like you said like i said you said sky Captain was chore. this was way worse for me right so imagine your feelings but twice like times two that's that's the the week i've had <laughs> it's a good week it's a great week <laughs> <laughs> the whole thing just feels lazy to me i understand it's beautiful scenery you know it's venice everyone's dressed really nice there's extravagant ball gowns and makeup and jewelry and all this stuff but it's just so superficial because the script that we're dealing with here is so dumb like they could have definitely used a couple more passes and a recasting and maybe this movie would have worked but as it stands what we got just feels like a half-baked half-rushed attempt yeah and you can clearly tell like with Christopher McQuarrie like he came in and like polished what he could probably when Tom Cruise was around because he was, like, one of his rewrite guys. And you can see, like, very small amount of DNA from that. But the trouble is, like, apparently, even in production, Donner's Mark left production and came back a few weeks later because they couldn't get a replacement. And he, like, had had script issues. So then he's like, okay, I'll rewrite the script in 58 days. And it shows on the big screen. <laughs> oh, does it ever. Holy hell. Yeah, nothing about this works. Not a single thing about this movie works. Right, it's very much like this and even Sky Captain are both described as equally dramatically inert. Like, there is absolutely no, like, real excitement for any of the dramatic stuff that's going on, because they usually interrupt it with a very shitty joke. Like, key example, there's a whole bit after the big chase sequence that happens in his pajamas where he's being uh, interviewed by uh, this inspector who's just like, oh, so you're here to report a murder? Uh, no, it's an attempted murder. Well, that's not as serious it's like it is when you're downgraded for murder get it funny so oh. funny but also no inspector would treat attempted murder that not seriously at all well he's clearly a, a dirty cop so remember he doesn't care oh right i forgot that they made that excuse just so it's like see the stupid acting like makes sense because we have a very stupid reasoning for it <laughs> yes see thousand. we covered our tracks the, you think it's mm. dumb but guess what it's dumb within our dumb reason <laughs> So it's good now. Remember how he he doesn't smoke cigarettes anymore? We're going to give you a full three minutes of him looking at a cigarette and an ashtray. Oh. <laughs> oh, God, it's so 
dumb. And then, like you said, the language barrier when he calls down to the hotel guy and he's trying to tell him what's going on. He's like, eh, I'm sorry, what? And he hangs up, just silly Americans. Like, oh, for... Oh, yeah, we're just... Yeah, and he clearly says, just like, people are trying to shoot down the door. It's like, what's the problem with the door, sir? (laughs) (laughs) Wait, it's there in Venice. Why is he French? (laughs) He he basically sounded French, though. That's the problem. It doesn't sound as much Italian as much. I've actually... I've been to Venice. Venice is such, like, a gorgeous place. It would be perfect to set, like, a fun thriller in the middle of. Because it's gorgeous and exotic. Yeah, Casino Royale fucking did it, like, a few years yeah. before this, and was great. Um, as opposed to, like, this, it's it just is, like, a key example of, like, what people misunderstand about what worked about stuff like North by Northwest, where, like, those Hitchcock movies work so well because he kind of has everything feel light and fun, but he doesn't ever treat the danger with any kind of distance. There's always, like, any of the actors there, or Hitchcock or any of the other people involved, always treat the actual threat with some sort of, like, respect, so that the light, pithy stuff still works. There's a foundation of, like, hey, we're dealing with this serious threat that's happening at any point, but we're trying to kind of, like, liven up the mood at the same time. That works, as opposed to, when everything's kind of light and you don't give a shit about anything, uh, this ends up being a fucking waste of your time, too. (laughs) Yeah, I'd say that's, uh, all incredibly accurate. This this is an interesting episode. <laughs> As you said, you think it's the worst good pick, and I I don't know if I agree with that. You're probably not wrong, but it's definitely one of the worst bad picks too. Um, I think the test for that will be how much I remember of this movie. Well, that's that's a very good point because I gotta be honest. I watched this like I think two nights ago, maybe three. And I was a little bit nervous about doing the show today. So I'm like, am I going to remember any of this? <laughs> it's uh, pretty terrible. Yeah, I think this will definitely be a case of like, we'll kind of forget it so it doesn't really end up being in our bottom worst movies we ever covered for the show. Because it's so like incredibly forgettable. It is just like the prime example of a movie where they just thought like, oh, we could get away with like casting a couple of leading stars in our movie. And to be fair, it didn't do terribly. Like for its $100 million budget, it made 278 So I think that's more of like a break even kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But it also feels like at this point in 2010, like this is when we're getting to the end of like the we can put a star in any bullshit premise and it'll make like several hundred million dollars. Not quite. I think this is where we're getting the beginning of the end of that. And as things go along, we get more I, like franchise filmmaking, which I think is why Julie's kind of gotten lost, honestly, as a star presence. Cause she tended to be like, Oh, I can sell the movie on me as opposed to eventually like, well, no, I have to kind of become part of the franchise machine. So now she's a part of the MCU. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I definitely agree too. This was sort of the end for me for Johnny Depp. I was I was so tired of him already, and then this was like just sealed the deal for me. I'm like, oh, I don't care. There were only like, two I... other ones I can point to, two other performances that I think kind of worked for me after this point. But they're very quickly after this, and then it's a point of no return. Mm-hmm. One Rango, which is shortly after this, yes, which is yep, quite fun as a voice performer, and two his cameo in Twenty One Jump Street, which is pretty fun. <laughs> yeah. Oh, God, that was after this. Yeah, I agree. I'll give you those. Right. Both of those. But that's it. (laughs) Mm -hmm. That's fucking it. You can kind of draw a direct parallel between this particular performance and his role in, like, Tuscan yoga hosers from the Kevin Smith movies. The guy LaPointe character. It feels like not too far distant cousin from that guy. (laughs) Oh, God. 
I even forgot about that. Oh no. That I can never forget. I can never forget. That. <laughs> You'll never forget Gila Point. No. Nope. That's that's permanently imprinted on my brain. Unlike this movie, which I guess Adam, any final thoughts you possibly have before you completely forget the tourist? No, because I completely forgot it already. <laughs> so I got nothing to offer. Yeah, um, I'll, I'll second that, and uh, also say at least as much that what I said earlier about like kind of the death of movie stars as a thing is very much a shame for half of the two leads. Where with Julie, it's a bummer because I think she's a really capable, fun star, and I miss that kind of like movie star-driven movie. In the modern age, where it's just like, oh no, it has to be part of this ongoing franchise and all of this other stuff. Jolie had at least a lot more of that, like, look, I am selling this on me, being the star of this film. We'll talk about a couple, I have a one example of that from the same year that Jolie did when we get to our Double Reduce segment. I think it's a much better use of her talents, um, as opposed to this movie where she had a fun vacation and she earned whatever paycheck she got for acting as much as she could. But I'm sure Johnny Depp got an even larger paycheck for doing far less work. <laughs> In this fucking movie. On a script level, it's really dumb. And poor Paul Bettany's in an office. And just like, let that guy get on a gondola. <laughs> like, have him fucking dress up in the pinstripe thing with the beret. It's just like, yeah, I'm on my gondola, totally incognito. I would love that. I would rather follow that than uh, this dumb, stupid premise uh, that, as you mentioned, is very telegraphed and dumb and uh, terrible. Very bad. Been a very, very long week for one Thomas Marion. <laughs> But before we get into our next segment, here is an important message from the ESO crew that we fully endorse. Welcome to Dr. Geek's Laboratory. Dr. Geek here with another reminder that the ESO network is pro-science and pro-vaccine. We urge you to be a superhero and protect yourself, your family, and your fellow geeks around the world. Don't be fooled by the forces of evil and their anti-science misinformation campaign. Consult the latest CDC guidelines, your doctor, and get the COVID vaccine today. So now it's time for the Double Redo, where every week Adam and I uh, talk about uh, two good and two bad movies related to the topic that we're talking about. So we're like, hey, Angelina Jolie, how about we talk about uh, two movies we would recommend and two movies we wouldn't recommend uh, that relate to this particular star of the silver screen. So in other words, I get to talk about some good Angelina Jolie movies, Adam. This is great. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And I'll lead off um, with uh, my choices here for the double redo. Um, So my first choice is probably one of the more obvious choices, but it's from a movie I hadn't seen until this week. Honestly, both of these were movies I hadn't seen until uh, fairly recently here. Um, I have, um, for the first good, uh, the movie that won Angelina Jolie her Oscar that she has, uh, for Girl Interrupted, which was a movie I'd heard about for so long but never seen, and if you don't know, the basic premise is that the stars were known a writer as a woman who, in the 1960s, is put into a mental institution after she tries to commit suicide, and, uh, she proceeds to, with all the other women in this facility, all these other young women, um, and has a very interesting cast where, like, Whoopi Goldberg is in there as, like, one of the main doctors of the facility a very young elizabeth moss shows up as one of the patients um and one of the other patients is angelina jolie who plays this uh, very feisty rebellious uh patient that initially has a rivalry with nona Ryder, but then they kind of grow to have a love-hate relationship over the course of the movie and i totally get why jolie won the oscar for this movie it's an incredible performance the moment she just walks on screen it is a great example of like this is a very committed actor totally disappearing into this role 
in a way that works wonderfully for her. She's feisty, but she has clear, like, baggage to her that really makes sense. And she works so wonderfully off Winona Ryder. Their back and forth is so good. I think the movie has a lot of problems, uh, but the performances and I think the direction, at least from James Mangold, his script I think I have some problems with, but his direction... Uh, just works perfectly along with these actresses just performing so well. This movie that kind of feels like in worse hands, it could be like just, oh, it's a gender flipped one over flew over the cuckoo's nest kind of thing. But instead it's um, a much more interesting movie about just like women of varying different, like mental situations in their lives, interacting with each other and finding a connection with each other. But at the same time, knowing like the clear differences that would cast them out in the 60s. Not just the, the main thing of like, oh, they're women. It's just like these other layers of how people were treated mental health-wise at this point just further shows a separation of how they're able to, you know, be accepted in society. But the other good pick I have is a lot less heavy a subject matter. And like I said, it's from 2010, so same year as the Taurus, and I think it's a much better use of her, even though it's also a movie that doesn't quite hold together logically. It's a very silly movie. I have Salt from 2010, uh, directed by Philip Noyce, who had done the two uh, Harrison Ford, Jack Ryan movies before this. And it's a very silly premise about basically this woman who is part of the CIA, has been agent for years, is married to this German arachnid scientist um, who ended up saving her life after she was like put into a prison camp in North Korea. Basically, like at this point, is revealed to be like, oh, it turns out that in your past, you were actually a secret Russian sleeper agent, which they establish in this really dumb way that involves like, like Lee Harvey Oswald was part of the same program and all this other bullshit that's really dumb and silly. But after that point, it becomes a really kick-ass action movie where Angelina Jolie is just like, in a role that a lot of men had done prior to this point, but it's like, I'm the wrong guy in the wrong situation. It's a much better version of that than like The Tourist. Where in this case, she's just like, hey, you got the wrong person. I'm not some sleeper agent. I'm an individual person. You can't do this to me. And it's it's an example of like a really dumb premise that's like given a lot more clout because not only is she in it, but also Liev Schreiber is like her superior at the CIA and Chiwetel Ejiofor is a, one of the dudes that's like chasing after her. It's a really talented cast committing so hard to something that's kind of shitty on paper and making it really like actually pop on screen surprisingly it's a really fun action movie that really works for her and it's especially interesting because like it was written for a man originally and they decided to flip the gender thing and it doesn't immediately improve or dismiss a movie obviously but i think in the hands of a jolie it's so much more interesting because she gives that kind of dumb character type a lot more emotional depth than i think a lot of male movie stars are unable to do and i think she does a really stellar job in that movie and then uh just quickly the two bad ones i want to mention here um i have maleficent which is uh the movie that's a spin-off kind of one of the early rumblings of a disney remake that's taking the story of sleeping beauty and it's like but what about from maleficent's perspective and it's a movie that tries a lot of interesting things with that character particularly the metaphor with clipping her wings and how it relates to basically like sexual assault is daring for a disney movie um, but I don't think it's that well executed. I think it's a, it's a movie that has like a lot of ideas in its mind that it doesn't know quite how to execute within the Disney sphere of things. And also I think it's just such a weird downplay of like the Sleeping Beauty, which I think is one of the great Disney movies and how it really screws up a lot of the other supporting characters, um, from that movie that I really love. 
Uh, but at the same time, Julie is trying her best. There's the scene where, like, she gets to do, like, the whole, oh, you banished me from the baby shower thing, the birth of this child speech that Bluffson did in the original movie. And she kills that. And she looks great in, like, the makeup and everything. But overall, it just does not really come together as a film for me that well. And then uh, a movie that I think is honestly worse. And I think a worse example of her as an action star compared to Salt, I have Wanted which was based on the Mark Millar comic and was made by Timur Berkmendikov, uh, who had been known for like the high-tension movies and stuff like that prior to this. And I think it is such like a wannabe both Fight Club and Matrix at the same time. It is such like a retread of a retread thing with the Assassin Guild. And I, I think Jolie is trying hard to like be a badass action hero and um, you know James McAvoy having some fun in there morgan freeman is mostly dumb until he gets to say motherfucker <laughs> near the end of the movie which is pretty fun but these are just like few and far between the middle of like an action movie that is just like really paint by numbers and dull and just doesn't know how to execute even its very simple premise in a new and engaging way it's uh, a pretty uh forgettable dull affair that i'm so shocked made so much fucking money in that particular summer i'm still kind of shocked by that uh i have seen Girl Interrupted, uh, I remember it really sort of depressing me quite a bit, uh, but in a good way. I, I think it's a phenomenal film. I've only seen it one time. It's not something I've really jumped back to revisiting, but I do remember thinking like, oh yeah, she absolutely earned that Academy Award in this performance. I, I, she was fantastic in it, and it's one of my favorite sort of later in life Winona Ryder performances as well. Um, Because I'm not typically a huge fan of hers, but I think she's quite good in that. To be fair, not that much later in life, by the way. (laughs) No, 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 no. Yeah, no, no, no. I I guess it's one of my favorite post-sort of Tim Burton era writer performances. Let's put it that way. I I remember really enjoying that movie. I have not seen Salt. I'm surprised that you put it as one of your goods because I heard it was terrible. Uh, But now now I'm going to watch it. I definitely want to check it out then. I just always heard it was stupid, but... I'm I'm into fucking stupid action, so yeah. Not an unfair descriptor, but it's a, I think pretty fun for its stupidity. Maleficent, yeah, I, I, you can miss me with that. I didn't like it. I only seen it once. I thought it was stupid. And then Wanted, I remember really sort of being high on Wanted when it came out. I really liked it, and then I watched it again like a couple years later, and I was like, oh, this is just toxic masculinity bullshit. Mm-hmm. This is not a good movie, and I, I haven't revisited since. Okay, so for my good, I have the aforementioned Hackers. Uh, it's just a wild, silly movie. It's not necessarily a good movie, but for shits and gigs, it's awesome. I, I think it's just, it's crazy, and it's, it's it's a movie that could only exist, you know, in 95 when it came out, and it, just the the technology terminology used in it and everything. It's so funny to go back and revisit. And yeah, Fisher Stevens on a skateboard. Perfect. And also playing on a virtuality, like old school virtuality system where apparently he's feeling the hits from whatever he's doing. <laughs> like it doesn't exist, but right on. Uh, and then for my other good, I have it. I, th- I want to say it was an HBO original movie. Uh, it's based on the life of uh, Gia, who was a, a model, uh, got real popular, real famous in the eighties. She was drug addict, was uh, homosexual, but kept it sort of to herself, didn't 
you know, really let anybody know on. And ultimately she, she just ends up with a horrible, tragic death to spoil it. But it, it's just a really good biopic movie. Uh, real early Angelina Jolie, but she's great in it. She's, she's quite fantastic. The supporting cast is really good. And I, it's just one that kind of always stuck with me, especially the ending, uh, just ultimately the way it, it's described what happened to her. It, it's really tragic and sort of uh, disturbing, but at the same time, it, it's really a, a kind of a beautiful piece as far as a uh, biopic on this, on this woman with, who had many, many demons. And then for my bad, quickly, I will go into the overblown fucking epic that was Alexander, uh, starring Colin Farrell and Jared Leto and Rosario Dawson and all that shit, uh, done by Oliver Stone. And it, it, it had all the makings to, it could have been a good movie about Alexander the Great and everything. It's just, it's another one of those that came out right at the same time, like Troy was out and all these sword and sandal movies started making a comeback. And it's just, it's a bloated mess. It is an absolute mess of a film. It is so overly long and pretentious and just, it's just, no, no, not very good. (laughs) I can't, I can't, no, it's so long. And then my other one is another remake she was in. Um, It's one of the like sort of Nicolas Cage, when Nicolas Cage was making like the big movies, like The Rock and Con Air and all, it's gone in 60 seconds. I hate Gone in 60 Seconds so much. The most unlikable people, uh, as far as characters go, in a movie maybe ever. Not one character to me is redeemable. I get it. It's a movie about sexy car thieves stealing sexy cars, but it's stupid. I talk about another bad Giovanna Ribisi and Angelia Jolie with bleach blonde dreadlocks. And just, it's, it's really fucking stupid. And I, I just, I, there's nothing about it. I, I had friends who really liked it when it came out and I watched it with them and I didn't get it then. And I do not get it now. I think it's just an awful action movie that uh, for some reason has a pretty big fan base. And I, I don't think I'll ever understand why. Um, well, I have seen Street in the Middle half of your total four choices where I've seen Hackers. We kind of talked about this earlier. Um, Hackers is a pretty fun example of like 90s kitsch. It, it has the internet's favorite actor of that era, Matthew Lillard, in it in a really fun performance. A, a lot of people try and reclaim those movies from the 90s, and I don't think all of them are deserving of that kind of, like, cult, fun, sort of reappraisal. Uh, Hackers is 100% worth that. It, it is a very fun, stylistic movie where, even if it's kind of bad in terms of its actual, like, plotting and the character stuff, it has this undeniable charm the whole time <laughs> that, like I said earlier, I would love to cover on the show in more detail at some point. Um, and then I've seen... Uh, Alexander, which I completely agree with you about. Basically, the the way I would kind of sum up that movie is like, it's so much like Oliver Stone trying and failing to make a Ridley Scott movie. Yes, that's very accurate. Yeah, and even Ridley Scott's been guilty of making those kind of movies poorly. Um, at least never as like dull as that movie is, uh, despite the fact that that Egypt one is pretty close. He did. Yeah, with Christian Bale. Um, I've, I've heard as much, but then yeah, I haven't seen Gone sixty seconds. Um, and then Gia. I have not seen, and I unfortunately only really know because of sort of the crass element of, like, oh, you get to see Angelina Jolie naked, and it was something I heard from a lot of people, uh, a lot of dudes, obviously. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, right, in the way of just like, yeah, I mean, I, I look, she's a very beautiful lady, but um, I'm sure there's other things to that movie beyond the fact that she gets naked. Yes, uh, yes, there definitely is. And uh, don't get me wrong, when I first saw it, I was like 11 or 12, 
maybe a little bit older, 13, 14. So that was definitely a selling point at the time. Right. And I sort of ended up just really enjoying the movie. And I've revisited it several times, not to see Angelina Jolie naked, but just to enjoy the movie. Right. Yeah, those are our choices. Uh, and we recommend anybody else uh, go ahead and submit theirs um, via the, some of the socials and stuff that we'll talk about later as we exit the show and uh, do our picking for next week at the very end. Stay tuned for that. Um, so yeah, we just want to say uh, uh, thanks to some people like Chris Oliver for the intro and outro music used in our show. Listen more of his music at chrisoliver.bandcamp.com. Uh, thanks to Christian Thor Lally for the artwork for our show. Uh, follow him at Night of Water. That's Night with a K underscore of underscore water uh, on Twitter and you'll find a link tree where you can find all his other great socials where you can see his great art and thank you of course to our supporters on Patreon patreon.com slash pod where for just one dollar a month you get to vote in polls that choose topics and movies we end up covering for the show and also listen to some bonus podcasts we do which for the record as of recent we've done quite a lot of uh, bonus material um Recently, we did say um, uh, uh, several on the edge of relevances uh, that were a bit more related to like October and stuff. So we're just out of the spooky season. But at the same time, you can still go back and listen to us talk about Halloween kills or paranormal activity next of kin uh, with a bit more spoilery stuff. And soon you'll also be able to hear us talk about uh, Last Night in Soho, the latest Edgar Wright movie, which uh, has had interesting discourse to it i would like to contribute to with that particular episode even speaking of angelina jolie and the eternals we'll also be talking about that on on the edge of relevance uh and you know we've also do some other bigger bonus stuff like we did a top 10 horror movie death scenes that you can still listen to all sorts of fun stuff several many hours of audio that you can listen to for just that one dollar yeah there's a lot of fun shit on there yes and we're not biased at all with that at all. No, no, not at all. Not at all. It just really helps, you know, if you have the contribute the $1. We really appreciate it because it keeps uh, the lights on. I, I always use that to, like, make the show better and try and, like, you know, pay for hosting, but also for, like, new equipment and other stuff like that that really helps out. Yeah, absolutely. We really, really do appreciate it. You can find us on Twitter and Facebook at DEDBpod, and you can submit feedback to us, doubleedgedoublebill at gmail.com, all spelled out. You can submit, say, your double reduce for that or any uh, comments you have about the show, like some constructive criticism. We'll gladly read it on the show here. Um, and uh, you can also help us out, if not through the Patreon for the $1 a month. That's cool. You can help us with a one-time purchase of some merchandise over at the uh, ESOT Public Store, which will be a note in the description where you can find that, and you can buy, you know, a t-shirt or a mug or all sorts of great stuff with our logo on it, and that gives us a bit of a kickback. So it would be really helpful if they did what, Adam? Buy our merch! Buy our merch! Yes, buy our merch. <laughs> and then buy Warbots. Buy Warbots. Yes, I'm watching Nickelodeon in the Goofy cartoon. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and uh, for more of my own individual antics, you can find me on Twitter, Instagram, and Letterboxes at Not the Who's Tommy. Uh, plus, I also do some writing at both MarianiThomas.wordpress.com and Film-Cred.com. And you can find me on Twitter or Instagram at Atom or Adam. That's A-T-O-M underscore O-R underscore A-D-A-M. Or you can find me on Letterboxd at Schwanson. That's S-C-H-W-A-N-D-T-S-O-N. Yes. And uh, for more of uh, our antics on this feed, uh, you just need to subscribe to us over on uh, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and other podcasting platforms. If you're listening on ESO, why not dig into all the other great shows on the network? And uh, it also helps that if you want a bunch of episodes before 
we even uh, were joined with the ESO. Uh, we can check out our Podbean main feed. There's several episodes we did before we joined the ESO. And if nothing else, if you can't buy that merch or support us on the Patreon, the completely free way to help us out is to uh, just rate, review, or share the show around because that gets us more visibility out there in the ether. Yeah, and I think Thomas just said it uh, perfectly. It's completely fucking free. Just do it. Why not? Take advantage of all the freebies you can. Help us out, you fucks. God. And everybody who has, thank you. <laughs> yes, the most important thing. Thank you if you have already. Uh, but now, Adam, it's time we did our picking for next week. And, you know, next week is a bit of an interesting thing because we had originally scheduled this when a movie was supposed to come out. That's happened a lot recently. Um, we were going to do uh, reboots in honor of Ghostbusters Afterlife, which we're now a bit ahead of um, because that movie ended up getting delayed a week. But, you know, reboots, always a common thing, always the, the big buzzword, which if you're unaware, basically reboot would be in a long running franchise if you kind of reshuffle the continuity a bit. You know, either completely clean swipe or take a few elements from earlier things in the series, but uh, try and do something mainly new, a reboot to really refresh the IP. Yeah, think of, you know, the 2018 Halloween or, you know, things like that. Where or even, uh, uh, well, yeah, that's about the only one I can think of right now. Or more of like a clean slate is, say, Paranormal Activity, the uh, next of kin. Where that's yes. a movie that you don't need the earlier movies to watch. Or in the case of Halloween 2018, um, you only need to watch the first movie as opposed to the ten other movies in between <laughs> those two. <laughs> um, but... Uh, the thing is, when we do our picking, uh, usually Adam and I each have two choices. Uh, one has the good picks, one has the bad picks. We switch up on the quality for that. And uh, we uh, each end up picking usually a number between 1 and 10, and that gets us the other person's choices. But we also have uh, this rule implemented called the Godfather Rule, where uh, Adam and I each have a veto in our back pocket. So if, for example, on this, uh, I have the two good choices, and if Adam hears one of my choices... He doesn't want to necessarily cover that particular choice. He's like, actually, I'll take the cannoli on that, which means he uses that veto and he can't get another one until May. So he has just this one in his back pocket. I have the same for mine. Uh, though, uh, keep in mind that that is excluded with uh, Patreon supporters uh, sometimes pick our picks for shows. And they end up picking Adam's bad pick, which was between uh, Jurassic World and the ultimate winner, which is Transformers Age of Extinction. Oh, fuck. <laughs> Hope you're ready for a two and a half hour long movie with Mark Wahlberg as an inventor. Look, at least I have my expectations fair, which is like, is it a bad movie? Okay. I know what I'm getting yeah. into this time. <laughs> That's true. I'll give you that one. And mainly, I have not seen this one because I had seen the first three and Transformers was very much a, like, fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me. Fool me three times and we should both just stay the fuck away from each other. <laughs> Yeah, that's called an amicable break. Right, and so I have not seen this one, which is more of a soft reboot, because they have some things that carry over from what I understand, but we have a new protagonist from Shia LaBeouf to Mark Wahlberg, you know, from one completely unproblematic person to a completely unproblematic person <laughs> on every yeah, level. Neither of them have ever done anything wrong. No, never, ever, ever. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but yeah, so I can't veto that, Adam, uh, with my one veto choice, so I can't do that for your bad choice, but... I've got the two good ones. So, Adam, for my two good picks, please pick a number between 1 and 10. I'm going to go straight in the middle, number 5. All right. At number 4, I have moved that I would argue is probably, like, the key example of how to do a reboot. 
I think, that kind of carries over some stylistic stuff from the original movies, but uh, is completely reinvented by the same filmmaker who created the character. Interestingly enough, I have 2015's Mad Max Fury Road. Oh, I am not taking the cannoli on that, nor would I ever. That movie's fucking legit. Do you have anything to say about my good pick? Does it actually fit the premise? Yeah, I guess. Yeah. I, I thought so. <laughs> well, on the, yes, on the other side of things, I had another one that I thought pretty much worked um, uh, from 2012 after a movie we've talked about on the show kind of infamously did this character dirty. I have 2012's Dread. Oh, sick. That's another really good one. Holy shit. Yeah. Look at you coming through with two great ones. Yeah, two actually good movies. Yeah. <laughs> that feature prominently the idea that they're reboots. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so uh, Transformers Age of Extinction and Mad Max Fury Road, two uh, very polarizing different versions of that same idea. Of, like, let's do a reboot of something. and uh, That's five hours worth of movie, too. Wow. Oh, yeah. But um, until next time, everybody, uh, it's the end of the show, so that means we got to take a trip to Venice, Adam. Let's get a good cinematographer to film it so we can write it off as a production. I mean, I'm not going to say no to that. You're not taking the cannoli on Venice? I'll take a cannoli in Venice. Oh, hell yeah. Let's get some cannolis in Venice, everybody. Goodbye. Au revoir. Au revoir. <laughs> Ciao. has been a broadcast of the ESO Network. Be part of the crew and help support our shows by donating to our ESO Patreon or by shopping for the Tee Public Store, which can all be found at www.esonetwork.com. The ESO Network, your station for all things geek.